Oh my god. What am I doing? Hi, welcome to Just Thinking Out Loud. My name is Desiree. I thought that this interview needed a bit of a primer because I didn't expect it to be put on Just Thinking Out Loud. So I'm talking to someone named Gray Jabesi, at least that's his screen name, and he is an entrepreneur who lives in South Africa. We didn't get too much into his background. I asked it all the way at the very end. He's into cryptocurrencies. He's actually from Malawi, but lives in South Africa. And he wanted to talk about my view on the world and talk about some past topics that I've spoken on, including race and IQ. We got into that a whole bunch. We got into the politics of things, tried to answer some really big global questions, maybe did a good job. It's a fascinating conversation, especially because of who we are, where we're from, and how we're reasoning through things uh, together. So I just wanted to kind of tell you guys what it was about before actually showing the interview plus i'm not wearing black i'm wearing white and yes it's another turtleneck and actually i have way more clothes than turtlenecks in my closet but i think these are the best sometimes because of the formality of the things i talk about on my channel so enjoy how did you decide to just be like you know today i'm gonna wake up and just start posting uh post kind of a sensitive videos uh well my first entrance into onto youtube was actually through my art not political or anything i started a channel it's called desiree arts it's still up but i haven't posted there for like two years and i just planning to hopefully pick things up again not necessarily with the channel but with my art um and i just wanted to i was thinking a bit more business wise like i should post videos to drive people to my content but i didn't keep up with it i do think if i had kept it that that probably would have gone somewhere because i have a couple of videos that actually have decent views um for my art channel but i just didn't keep up with it and then i was also just feeling frustrated by the social environment in the united states because it's really strange when you're from <clears throat> a different country, that being Jamaica, and then you fall into a whole different society's idea of relating with the world and especially what taboo or not taboo to talk about. So I very, not quickly actually, but I eventually picked up that I could say certain things or people were, well, two things. One, people were interested in what I had to say because of my skin color in the U.S., because it's like a huge thing. Um, I should also point out that it wasn't like that at the beginning, because I came to the U.S. in 2010, and people didn't really care as much as they do now about, you know, the, the political, racial stuff in the U.S. until, like, I would say, like, 2014, when they had some, uh, like, Black Lives Matter stuff coming up. Like, that's when people, it, that, like, that conversation started picking up into the divisiveness that you see today. So even though I haven't even been in the States that long, like I didn't grow up in the States, I saw that shift that, that happened, um, which in some ways gives me hope that it can go back down again, but also is, is a sign of how easy it is for divisions to form in a society when things are like relatively okay for a while. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing um, was that... <clears throat> people were surprised if I didn't have a certain opinion because I was just automatically supposed to be supportive of something like Black Lives Matter, for example. 
So those two things, I guess, made me feel as if I couldn't say how I really think, or like what my actual honest opinions are on a situation. And that made me feel really boxed in, which I think as a create creative person, um, like I, I think like a creative person, like I'm very open-minded, even though I'm also analytical, I hate that feeling. So yes. it was sort of a response to that social pressure. That's why I started the, the political channel, but I first came on YouTube for my, for my art stuff. What a shift, eh? Yeah. Uh, adaptation, I suppose. So that's good. Uh, so, I mean, what, ha what, were hap what was happening within your kind of your private life uh, that made you think like, okay, wh where did you, when did you experience that? Was it in conversations with your friends or? Uh, I would say I was, mm, it was in conversations with people around me. So at the time, I should first say that I went to a super liberal um, college. Mm. Um, so people are very left leading. So a lot of the acquaintances I had were of that mindset. Um, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I don't think these people will ever watch my content. So I remember I was talking to one person, um, I went to like a party in the city and she was saying something about how she was Italian or her, her family was Italian, even though I would just consider her American. Um, and she was saying that they in the past were the immigrants that were being treated really badly. And I remember she felt so strongly about that. She was talking to me as if like, like people don't really say it, but you can tell when they're talking to you because they feel comfortable and like they think you think how, what they think. You should agree I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what my response was, but I think I argued it a little bit. I don't really remember. And... I don't think we ever really talked about it ever again. I mean, she wasn't really my friend. She was like a friend of a friend. And that's one thing. And then another thing was someone who was related to one of my friends was talking about Trump, like in a kind of like a really derogatory way. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't think he's that bad. And she got very, very upset at me. Um, <laughs> and... It's like we couldn't even have the conversation because it was such a contentious topic. Like it was difficult to even talk about. Um, so I would say those were probably, oh, another one was I had a friend who she was attending. I think she was like an activist. I think she went to some Black Lives Matter stuff. Uh, she wasn't black, even though I also have black friends who, who also uh, were supportive of that. But this particular one, she hated like the administration so much and what was happening in the country I just felt like I couldn't talk to her because she was so passionate about it I was like I eventually did talk to her um but now we don't really talk anymore and I think it had to do with that but like she was so passionate about it I felt like I couldn't say anything you know it was like the force of your hatred for this thing that you're doing out of what you think is compassion makes it so that I feel like I can't even see my real feelings around you because I hear how you talk about other people. So it's, it's, it's little incidents like that. And then, of course, you could see um, 
on social media as well. And the, the social atmosphere changed. I think now people are actually more comfortable stating their opinions. But around that time, you never knew who was who, like what side they were on. So you had, it was like a little bit more awkward than it needed to be because when a certain topic came up, if you just like turned on the TV and you turn on the news, just don't talk about it because it's just not worth a possible like argument. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, so the reason I avoid the whole political stuff is is just because of, you know, for me, I feel like you you have, I mean, people have, the, you know, the brainwash is, is just too deep, you know, I mean, the, the hardest problem that I, I see right now is just that people cannot think for themselves anymore, you know the uh the narrative is controlled by the media and everybody have some kind of a position already so and they you know they believe that they're already right and uh if you i mean i, I wonder if you get any backlash from doing what you do um not from people i truly care about so that doesn't matter <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good answer yeah <laughs> but have you ever experienced attacks or anything like that because i heard in in the u.s the U.S. is quite notorious with that kind of stuff. Um, no, but that's probably because I'm just not big enough. I I have had people like, no, I think most of the responses I get are pretty thoughtful. Um, even sometimes when people don't agree with me, they're thoughtful. I have had like bad YouTube comments, but like YouTube comments are anonymous. So I don't feel like they're, you know, the best mm. example of <clears throat> how people would actually respond to you to your face. Um... So I would say most of the, the feedback I get is like super thoughtful, even the, the, the like angry ones. Um, and I, I think it's just because I'm not super well known and maybe a little bit of my personality too, because I, I try to not like bash people I don't agree with as well. So what is, what is your initial um, position at the world right now? Like what is, how would you, if somebody was watching this interview a hundred years from now, how do you explain the current landscape of the world to them in a way that they understand briefly? Hmm. Briefly? Oh, the briefly makes it hard, but that's a very good question. Uh, I would say that humans are social creatures. We're social beings and we have <clears throat> prejudices. And those prejudices generally fall along tribal lines um a tribe begins with you know like your actual family like your relatives but a tribe also has to do with what you value because it affects um it's very hard to be brief it affects the kind of society you live in so people can form tribal alliances along different things like literal familial ties or also values i think for a lot of people their familial ties and their values match up so you can say that <clears throat> because I'm from Jamaica, I'm probably going to think like a, another Jamaican, you know, like I, 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 about certain things. Although within groups, you also have values diverge. And uh, there's a lot of global movement uh, in the world today. And also there has been the uh, shifts in the past of oppressive power structures, um, say like colonization, and uh, slavery, or in the U.S. we call it like segregation, and I'm, I'm sure there's similar things in other countries, but along different lines. 
And I think that once people have a certain voice, so if you talk about the U.S., I, I think the, the leeway that a lot of, um, they would call them minorities in the U.S. have today, they never had in the past. So for a lot of them, I think they almost pushing it over the line, like they turn the tables around instead of making it equal. So because in their <clears throat> historical memory, because it's not actually happening to people now, they know how badly their groups are treated and they kind of, and you, you don't even have to talk about race, it all has to do with like women, because women are also, you know, not being treated well, politically at least, uh, at a societal level. They, it's, in trying to correct for the past, I think there's an overcorrection happening for a lot of people where because there was, say, sexism or racism, then instead of trying to make sure there's none, they're doing it in the other direction to people, or at least trying to. Um, this is so not brief. <laughs> it's really hard to say uh, quickly. So I think that these prejudices that we were once seen along a different historical line in the past where one group was on, had power over the other, those prejudices are still there, but they actually exist among every kind of person. So when the people who didn't have the power at one point now have the power, their prejudices are also coming into play. And that, I think that can always shift depending on who has the power in society. And I think the issues that we see today when it comes to, say, like multiculturalism um, or different groups trying to operate within the same society is that every group finds it easier to look at what other, the other group is doing wrong with their prejudices, which is true. Like you can generally, I think, see it across different populations of people, the same what you'd call negative traits. And so everybody's just pointing the finger at everyone else. Um, but I think it's actually something that each person needs to work on uh, within themselves. Um, and I also think that, at least in the U.S., you have different ways of seeing the world, and I think it, it's just something that will happen within any human population. So, for example, for the left, they care a lot about, like, social making... Uh, society fair, like treating people well, making society work properly. So like having order and rules followed. <clears throat> and one, one will call, the left will call the right really cold because they think they're only focused on like the rules and stuff like that. But the right will call the left dumb because they're like, well, you can care a lot about people, but you can't just care. You also have to think about consequences of the actions you're taking trying to care for them. Um, and... I think we haven't found a way to tie those things, those two aspects of society together and everybody's just pointing fingers. So, okay. yeah. That, that's a very good way to establish this conversation. I think that's what we're going to talk about now. Uh, the balance between uh, creating a, a better society and development at the same time, because to me, I mean, when I say development, to me, I mean um, finding ways to become more richer. And when I say richer, I mean living longer, 
um, you know, kind of having a more harmonious life than really just survival, right? So the 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 more you stay away from survival, the better your life is, so to speak. You know what I mean? Meaning that you know you don't have to work too much just to eat. Uh, you have good hospitals, and when the problem comes, you can solve it as quick as you can, like the coronavirus issue. So when I say development, I mean you know being able to do that because if you're underdeveloped, it means that if you have issues like that, you probably gonna lose half of your population just by a simple um, virus to a simple virus or whatever. Now. I don't want to make this a United States issue. I just want to uh, establish this as a uh, world phenomenon. How do you see the balance of these things coming together? And uh, you you talked about uh, you talked about socialism and uh, capitalism. Where where do you, do you stand on that on the conversation between capitalism or socialism? Um, I'm definitely more in favor of capitalism, but I also think we should help people, but I don't think it should be done through coercion. So I think that I know some people say, okay, so I think the, way, the, the best way to help people is to help them help themselves. Mm. So in a lot of ways, that actually means um, having, showing people how to face the struggle, if that makes sense. Right. So if I, for example, I'm a teenager in Jamaica, which I was, and I can't find work, which also happened to me, even though I was, you know, like educated, then it's really easy for someone to just, I don't know, give me money. And that can be helpful. But if that person only gives me money and doesn't give me the skills to one, one, first of all, recognize that there might be opportunity available that is not immediately in front of my face. So maybe don't, I don't know, look in the newspaper, but realize that around the world, because of the internet, you can teach yourself things that people will pay you for on, I don't know, some maybe freelancing website or something. This is just an example. Show me like that path, you know, and like some money might help in the very short term, but like it's not going to help me like actually raise myself up also the situation that I'm in. So I think that kind of mindset of like actually empowering people is a way to help people. And I also think, which is why I don't like socialism, that you cannot, I, you should not force anyone to do that. So I, I don't, I, I'm a little bit radical. Like I don't think you should tax people to help other people. I think you should form voluntary organizations that persuade people to do it, which I think would happen because like the countries that make a lot of money tend to also tend to also be very philanthropic. Um, so, okay. So if you, yeah. if you say, uh, how, how, what is your explanation of why the world is today of uh, the worth disparity, whether you look at it from um, as countries, ethnic groups, or whatever way you're going to use to categorize it. But what do you think is the cause of that? The cause of... The economic uh, levels. What causes the, 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 the difference? 
Uh, well, if you, I guess, start at the beginning and you have two men or women, one person produces something and then one person pays for it, that production. So the person who produced something gets some money. Or there's also the, the negative side where one person produces something and the other person just takes it. Uh, that could be the, in the form of force, um, like they, sorry, through the form of theft or through uh, coercive labor, like slavery or, you know. So the point is that people produce things and that's what creates wealth. And that's like the first inequality. And the inequality can either arise through someone producing more and them getting value for it. So the person who is not producing might not have the same knowledge or skills or access to resources, like mental or actual physical environment. So I think there's an inequality first in, uh, I would say, human capital. So people's ability to take what's around them and make it into something that helps other people so that they'll pay them for it. And then also the, deg the negative side where there's coercion, where someone makes something and their efforts are stolen from them, either outright, which I don't think happens so much today, especially in, in capitalist countries, or they're not, they're exchanging their value for less than it's, it's really worth. So I would say if you start small and then expand that big, I can't give like a simple answer, but it, 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 the inequality comes from that process of who is producing and who is getting wealth, which can happen in a good way, um, but then also can happen in a bad way. Okay, so how, how, how do you, would you explain the current distribution um, if you had to categorize them by continent? Um, I would say that it has to do with the, the, human, the human capital issue um, because even though you can look historically and say in like the most modern historically um, that say European countries were colonizing and extracting wealth from the, I guess, non-European countries, which is not, not just Africa, it's like kind of all over the world. Um, then <clears throat> that's a, not an explanation for what's happening today because there are also countries, a lot of them Asian ones, who are rapidly coming up to par with the traditional, what we consider first world ones. So I definitely think the answer is not to focus on what happened in the past. Also, because if you look at a lot of European countries, they were at one point, like people just think of, say, like for England, for example, like England that then conquered other peoples itself was once conquered by other people. So I, I don't think it makes sense to look at the past and say like, oh, this is really unfair because you have the opportunity today to create wealth. So I would say as an explanation for how it is, how it is, um, you could say a little bit has to do with the past, but I think a lot more change has already happened that shows that that can change very, very quickly. And the most rapid change has come through uh, countries adopting um, more free market policies, um, like more capitalist, capitalistic policies 
that allow entrepreneurs to produce things that other people need, which is what makes the economy uh, grow. So I, I can't get some answers. <laughs> so that's a, very, that's a very interesting way of thinking. I agree mm -hmm. with you on the point that um, you, we have, uh, you know, a, a lot of people give the past too much power when it actually, I mean, today cannot be, cannot be less powerful than the past. You know, it's like today is better than any other day that has ever existed. It's bigger than that because at least if you're, you, if you're alive today, you can do something about anything, right? Um, at the same time, at a macroeconomics point of view, it's like the idea is that, you know, Sorry, you froze for a second. You say you, you, you can do a lot about today, but then you might have said something I missed. Oh yeah. I was saying that people give the past too much power, but the past can never be better than today. If you are alive today and moving around, you can do way much more than the past has ever done because you have more tools, uh, you have more people in the world is much more peaceful. So I think, you know, it gives sometimes, it, give, it gets people to feel victimized, which I understand where we're coming from, but at the same time, it just, it takes away your power. You know, the moment you start giving the past too much power, it's like you cannot do anything. Now you just blame things. But um, I don't agree with you on... Um, I think you, you still have to acknowledge the, uh, the amount, I mean, wealth that we have now, much of wealth was already created, you know, it's what that we have now, what, what we already created, the wealth, the wealth is, was already created. So the, the, the people had, that had money then or the, the families and all that, a lot of them, a lot of those people still have money, you know, um, in a way that. However, they got their money is, the, is a whole different story. So you see that a lot of rich people, like families with rich kind of generations, richer generations, you know, their wealth stems from way back in the, the days of um, slavery or um, what's the other word? Colonialism and all those kind of eras, uh, which is fine, that's gone. And also you have um, economic control of like you as an independent country or an, an individual, you can try to thrive through and um, create something of yourself, but then you still have other people fiddling into whatever you're trying to do. You can be an independent country okay. in, in South America, but then America will come and get involved in whatever you're trying to do here, you know? So for example, who write the rules of who should have nuclear weapons and who should not? It's the already rich countries. So it's somebody still have power. the upper hand. You know, somebody has the upper hand. And that can be, um, can be, sold, can be solved, <laughs> but at the same time, the way that could be solved will become harder for, say, um, and people who are unfortunate at this point. Because now, if, if with the whole narrative that's going on right now of um, uh, green energy and... Um, global warming, a lot of policies will be put through by a lot of already wealthy countries. So if you're a poor country, you're, the bar of you having to make it, it's just going to get raised way higher because these other people have manipulated, this, not manipulated, but they've used an easier way of attaining wealth, you know, but then you cannot do that. So you need to be more innovative, maybe work extra harder and 
it's it, it's very complicated. Um, at the same time, yeah. So th this leads me to libertarianism. I, I I don't know if you agree with me. I think the problem that probably humanity has right now, we have gone through the whole bad. The problem that who has? Sorry, humanity. Humanity has. Yeah, yeah. Right now has to do with governance because the world is becoming smaller and smaller. We're becoming more connected, and that we identify. You see that the coronavirus issue is probably one of the best indicators for that. Right? Everybody knows that what affects someone out else in China could affect them too. So, do you think we have an evolved system that? Do you think the system that we have right now will be able to resolve the issues that we're having? Or there will have to be another wall somewhere, things to break and then regenerate? Because from the governance perspective, I don't think that we're, I think things have become, have become more complicated than the system that we had from the monetary systems and the technology has, has caused a lot of disruptions to the point that you you don't even know i mean a lot of laws are inapplicable in some things and you don't even know how to implement certain laws and certain things now you have people being uh illegally arrested simply because you're applying certain laws that does, does not apply to certain things and you had law that was binding from a jurisdictional point of view but then when people are doing you know, say trading uh, when people are trading between countries now you have a very complicated way of having to deal with that because you had the american law but they're doing business with some someone from vietnam or china or wherever right so do you think the current governance structure that we have because to me that is what i'm blaming if i had to blame something of today i would blame that we have a failed governance system what do you think about that uh, I think that I'm not sure how to answer the question, but I'm going to try. Mm. Um, because, you know, when you say humanity and governance, you know, there are different government, governments around the world mm. and countries operate differently. Um, so it's hard to say, <clears throat> to make a broad statement about governance because there's so many different kinds of governments. Well, I when I say that, when I say that, I mean, there's a lot of similarities because almost each and every country, almost not all of them, almost each and every country has to vote, right? It's kind of the power democracy part of the people idea, which on, that is on paper, but technically that's not how the world works. And all these things can be gamified. And there is this asymmetry in which in a democracy, when you vote for someone, right? the people are more powerful than the person in power. That's how it's supposed to look. But the way it works is that once you attain power, you become more powerful than the people to the point that they, they cannot even get rid of you if they want to sometimes. Yeah. You know? So to me, that when I say governance, I'm talking about those kind of structures that have been designed. And you can see that there's all, almost always co confusion and conflict in a lot of countries because things aren't just working. There's too much corruption and there's not enough transparency. There's kind of a, a few people really controlling what's going on. 
Okay, um, thanks for clarifying. And let me try and go back again to the, if the government, governance is the issue and what kind of government. Um, I think that you have to come from principles. So again, I'm not sure how to answer the question, but whatever will be the solution, it has to not come from a bad place. And so that's why I think the, the, I don't know if it will, I don't actually know if it will solve the issues, but I think maybe if the inherent structure of governance is, has integrity and is good, like you can say that this, this, what I'm doing in the governance of people is a benefit to those people, but not harming anyone else, then only good things can come from that. Versus if you're trying to solve a problem and you're like, oh, we're going to enact this law, even though it's clearly not ethical because we're going for this good solution. So that's the first thing I would say. And then the other thing I would say is, I also think related to the, the first thing that it can't be some kind of top down like one world kind of thing, because that in and of, it, in and of itself, even though you're going to say, well, we're doing this in order to solve this problem, say like the, this environmental issue, if you're forcing it on other people, like they're not being able to make that choice themselves, then it's already bad. So I don't actually know like what the answer is for specific problems, but I think whatever governance, the structure in which the, the answers come has to be good in it, in and of itself first. So I know that's super abstract and doesn't really answer the question, but I just think you, you have to come from a good place in order for the effects to be good, even though you might try to work backwards and say, well, we have to sacrifice this, this thing that's unethical, like forcing people into doing stuff, such as like stealing from them <laughs> um, to pay for some good cause i think it it won't be good in the long run no matter how you justify the ends it has to come from something good and even though you can't foresee that that's how in my brain the logic pans out so i'm sorry i don't really know how to answer the question but yeah look it's a it's a very long-winded question um but basically i mean to, to uh, reiterate on that what i mean is if you you know it's People want to think about, we tend to think about the world based on countries, this country and that country, and we, our people, their people, and all that, right? But then I think in reality, it's starting to show us that, look, we're in, on this planet together. Um, and the moment you start breaking apart, it, may, it makes it difficult for all of us to even solve uh, global problems, which I think in the near future we'll have a lot of those, right? So if, if you start calling someone left, right, immigrant, non-immigrant, you know, all based on all these labels, and then later on you, you want to say, let's come together and solve global warming, <laughs> you know, that's like, to me, that's crazy, right? And that's where the world is at right now. It's like, I think, I think probably we have just 
I think we have kind of evolved very fast from the technological standpoint than our biological clocks or makeup, right? To the point that we cannot really, we don't really know how to function in this very big world. We used to like small family structures, right? Um, which takes me to the next point. I, you know, with time, I think we probably should find a, a bit of time to to talk about this because I was trying to establish a few <laughs> a few things and then we, we get to talk about it. Yeah. But, which takes me to like a libertarian um, system of governance, which you have also, I've listened to your video, I've watched your video about it and what you think about it. Man, it's just so much to talk about. The problem with this... <laughs> with this subject but so I think let me just get some things that I have on the side quickly that you can answer very quickly so when you what did you think about the, the subject of um, race and IQ and the other things we can talk about because they're they're very long so we'll have to find another time for it um, well right now I think that there are different average IQs between populations as they're defined, like black, white, mm. Asian, whatever. However, <clears throat> I think that how you choose to define those populations has a lot to do with like the racial, racialized history of the past. So I don't really think that, like it's useful in order to explain patterns that we see but we're only focusing so much on these specific, specific patterns because of how the world was racialized economically in the past for coercive, like slavery, colonization, those kinds of systems. So I think, why do you separate Jews, for example, when they kind of just look like the, the same category as, of whites, when you could also separate specific African groups that they have differences in IQ, but you kind of just group them all as black. Or why is it that you have this category called white when that now encompasses groups that at one point weren't considered white? So I think that people can draw these conclusions. And I think the only reason why we have to talk about them or people want to talk about them so much is because of, um, like the, the blame game that goes on about who's oppressing who, blah, blah, blah. But even though I think, yeah, I think that IQ is, exists, I think that, well, the, the science is that it's, it would be both, both genetic and um, environmental, what influences it. I am wary of the topic just because I know how much it's influenced by people's existing prejudices which how the whole, how IQs are even studied, like with these categories, I think is based on the past. You know, like what I was just saying about how you decide to define the populations. Mm. So while I think IQ is real, I think that it kind of sucks that people can't study it because everybody just thinks it's going to be used for eugenics programs and like they always just go there. Um, I don't think it should be censored or anything like that, but I also think however it is studied, it, it is studied, is going to come down to the prejudices of the researcher and also just the prejudices of like the society itself because of why, where it's coming from. 
So um, what, what, what makes you, when you say IQ is real, what do you mean by that? And what is IQ to you? Well, it's just a, it's a measure, measurement of uh, intelligence. Um, I think that intelligence in terms of what people use to, what affects outcomes in like modern Western societies. So that kind of intelligence. Like I don't think, I don't think there's only one kind, but that's the kind of intelligence most people are talking about when they say intelligence. Oh, what, what do you um, mean? So come again, what, what did you say? Intelligence in terms of the ability to to do well in Western in a Western society. Is that what you say? Yes. Okay. So I would say like, that's what most people mean when they say intelligence. So like the person who can write or well, they say it's pattern recognition, but you know, it's like if you translate that into something that is more meaningful to people who can write well or read well and usually we can learn something really quickly because intelligence usually um, manifests itself along different domains like if you're good at one thing if you're smart you're probably going to find it easy to like learn about something new so that's and i'm only saying it because some people just don't want it to be studied at all but it's like it's something you can measure and it's like Mm. no it's like something that's there yeah, I find this IQ um, <laughs> subject very interesting too. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's I, I, in one way, you know, I used to be obsessed with IQ when I was younger myself. I was trying to go to do the oh, Mensa really? test and all this kind of bullshit. And, you know. Oh, yeah. So it's, it, it has been a very, very, um, in, it, um, it, it, it was a very interesting thing to me when I was younger until a certain point then I just got over it um, but you know the more scientific you go about about it and then you realize how BS based how kind of BS it is you know um, in which I think it has to be studied it's 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 it, it, it is there is some sentiment but it's very very difficult to to put an an into it I like your definition of like, you know, I think measuring prosperity in, in, in the Western world, for example, could um, means that you have high IQ based on the current scales, right? So, so you can, you it's know, that's... not the only, I don't want to say that it's the only thing that affects our prosperity, but it's, it's linked, but it's not I, the, it's not the only thing. Okay. Like you don't the, necessarily have to be smart to like have money. Like it, it's just more likely. Like you also have to work hard or mostly that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's when then it starts becoming a blurry line of like, okay, what do we really mean? Uh, and all these things. But to me, I came to the, to, to a conclusion. I mean, it's not a science. It's a pseudoscience. If you ask me, you know, um, you should read, I don't know if you have read food by randomness. Um, no, but I would disagree that it's a pseudoscience just because if it's, if IQ is a pseudoscience, then I think, I think the level of scrutiny that IQ gets because of the kind of subject doesn't apply to so many other things that people are just like, oh, whatever. Mm. So that's why you can say that people may be drawing false conclusions. And like I said, I, I think people's biases come into play, but mm. I think the study of IQ gets much more scrutiny than other 
subjects out there. So I wouldn't call it a, a pseudoscience, personally. Okay, um, I, I can tell you the reason why I, I, I call it pseudoscience. So, you know, this is something that can only work in a very convex manner, right? Where it, it starts top down. So whoever is the boss in the room get to decide what IQ is to begin with, you know? So you can look at this in a, in a very racially based uh, way or geographical uh, point of view, however, you know, however you would want to look at it. So for example, IQ would be, has to be more likely coming from America. The, the concept of measuring who has the highest IQ or, or not or whatever, right? Okay. It has to be, a system it's kind of a, it comes with a, it's a privileged system so anybody anybody can write their own there's i'm oh, sorry you, you you paused it said it has to be the concepts come from america it has to be i think you were saying established and then oh okay i was saying that who, it's it's the guy on top who establishes what the iq is and when i say the guy on top i mean the richest one okay but because there is coloration of like a we have more IQ or I have more IQ maybe because I'm more successful. How would you refute someone who is a billionaire that you have more IQ than them? You have a higher IQ than them. How would you, how would you make that argument with, against a billionaire? Because just having IQ doesn't necessarily mean that you get rich or wealthy. It's just like one. Oh, one so so that, if you, if you're more, if you're more analytical, somebody would say, well, then, you know, if that's the case, then why couldn't you solve uh, these basic problems that you have as why why would you say you're um, you have a high IQ but you're not so you're not being able to solve the least problems that you have well because IQ is the only thing that matters and also like there are other things that affect that so for example I think that a lot of people's emotional issues mm. like no matter how smart they are like those have to be sort of cleared away before you can think properly like your like your emotional uh health affects your like mental capacity um i, I was gonna say um oh and also you have different um kinds of intelligence so someone might be like you were just saying analytical or really good with words versus good with performing math in their head. So like, not because you're like, you can be more smart in one thing than the other things. So I, I, I think the question, how would you refute a billionaire? Like by saying you have a, a smart higher IQ doesn't really make sense because like IQ isn't the only thing that, that matters. There's a lot that factors into someone being super successful than just their IQ. Okay. Yeah. Another, again, that, that's where the blood lines to me came to come to play when this kind of things are, are brought up. So this is my definition of what I, I tend to go more for the definition that Taleb came, um, Nassim Nicholas Taleb came, came up with this idea of survival. Things that are really good or people of higher IQ or whatever are more likely to survive the most. So I think the, the, the greatest test of uh, being an, a human being of a higher status or a higher kind of um, uh, competence. state. Competence? Maybe competence. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is probably survivability, I think. 
right? In whatever uh, um, kind of environment you can put one into. Being able to survive that, I think it's a more likely, uh, if we had to look at IQ, we should probably wanna look into that. What survives the most? Because that's, uh, to nature, that's really what matters the most. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, well, everything you just said makes sense, but I don't think that means that IQ doesn't, isn't a real science. Like, I think what you're saying definitely makes sense. And maybe what you're trying to say is that the, the value that people put on IQ is like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, the value only exists because of, you know, like what I said at the beginning about Western society. So there's, variation in okay, so, like so biology if, if if it's a science well the point i'm trying to make here is if it's a science 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 is we we kind of adapt more of a scientific way of living because of predictability right you know that if you create a plane okay. in, a, in a certain design it has to fly right you know that you kind of predict the outcome um, so that's where that's where science gets more over the years. It has been getting more traction to it because it's more predictable. Uh, if you mix X and Y, you should get Z in a way. Now, if I had to give you a uh, results of twenty students that that took a, an IQ test and tell you to predict how they're going to do uh, in within their life across their life, would you be able to do that? How they would end up? Would anyone uh, be able to do that? I think there are studies that have done it, but they're very few because it's such a taboo topic. Mm. I, I can't remember now because I haven't really looked into this topic for mm. like a year, maybe a year and a half, uh, because I, like you, kind of, I guess, got over it. But I think that there are studies that show that it's, it's one of the best predictors. The prediction was really low. It was like, point, like point 0.6 or something, um, like from zero to one. But it's like one of the best predictors versus other things. I think those studies do exist, but I've only found like one or two. And it's also hard to like even tease apart counter arguments because it's people don't want to study it. So like we're like in some ways, we're never even going to find some of those answers because people are just like, no, this is just bad because people are just going to use it for bad, which they will, but they can also use it for good. So from what I yeah. know, there, there's like a, a couple of studies. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I have to go, but um, it's, it's, it's interesting how this, what's funny to me when I watch the videos about people talk about IQ, and then, uh, you know, it, it's funny because it also removes people from a micro uh, version yeah. of themselves, and then it becomes a macro um, conversation uh, to the point that, okay, if you really want to, measure IQ, measure your IQ against someone else next to you or something. That is probably a more effective way of doing it. But, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, the lack of predict predictability to me undervalues the idea of being able to measure someone's IQ, like by far. I mean, people are even different from when they're born to when they're kind of in middle age and to when they grow up, you know, they go through different phases. And I don't think there's any, I've never, I don't think I've ever read of any study that really addressed this problem well of predictability. Like how do you predict someone uh, to end up oh. in different environments? You mean you're, you're th thinking about like the, like being deterministic. Is that what you're saying? How people Fair. will, will, yeah, I'm totally against that. You know, it's, it's like, 
even if people can, I just think like humans were inherently like creative beings. So I don't think you can say what someone will necessarily do because, and also because so much of our um, thinking as humans shifts over time. Like it's, it's very often that people study something and then they later realize, oh, this changed, you know, in like in sciences. They're like laws, like physical laws, but especially when it comes to social things, I don't know. I think that people can change a lot. So how, how, how I'm not you, into how, the, the deterministic. Like, how would you it. think, how would you think that a, an IQ test designed in America would apply in Malaysia as well. Because, um, this, this, well, because th this subject also has a lot to do with um, uh, a level of, uh, what's the right word to use? It has a, a, level, a, a level of kind of being able in, in a certain economic, at a certain economic level, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but um, yeah, I would use the word ethnocentrism where people try to like study other people based on their own culture but they've tried to account for that you know it's like they 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 try to move all the cultural context from the test to just focus on like abstract pattern recognition stuff. okay so abstract how, did, how, how, how would some how would you how did they come up with that abstract with the abstract patterns that they choose well it's just something that uh, like every human being can see like basic visual patterns that's something that has nothing to do with culture so that that's from what i understand there's a there's been an attempt to remove all the cultural issues like you're um mentioning uh, how, how is that possible because uh different cultures if you have to, to go this in a very primitive way um definitely different people would have uh, kind of, um, an uh, they would be inclined to observe certain things than others, even whether it's shapes, words, or whatever you want to use, right? So, right. you know, if you if you came and say, uh, we need to, to, to measure uh, people of Vietnam with the ability to how to spot triangles or whatever concept that you already have, that is already a cultural-influenced uh, parameter to me at least so what, what I'm trying to establish is just that there is there's a lot of discounting on this uh, on this issue of IQ and there's less science to it I, I would recommend that you read uh, food by randomness I think Nassim has a very good um, I, I can send you a link to the articles that he, he wrote about he write about he's a mathematician okay um I really don't have much time, so I'm yeah. not sure if I'll be able to read through everything. But what you just said, I think, is a is a good point. Um, so I'll just say that. So I, I don't refute the uh, the the amount of work that needs to be put in there to find really what the truth is, right? Mm -hmm. I think the the most important thing is to find what the actual truth because. If it is true, it's very helpful. Maybe we can look into ways of how to enhance our own IQ. It would be nice to know what your flaws as a human being are, like which areas of your IQs you need to of your IQ you need to improve, right? Well, you don't even need to. Like, it's so funny. You just use the word flaw, and like that's the whole 
issue with like these topics the like the value the value judgment that people put on put on them like i wouldn't describe it as a flaw well but, but if, you, if, you say, if you say if you say it, it, it it's how more likely you can be successful in the in the western world it's very it can be considered a flaw because what everybody's trying to do is to become more more to to survive to thrive right so if it makes you okay. if, if, if you have a certain trait that makes you less likely to thrive or to survive in a certain environment then maybe it's a flaw maybe <laughs> anyway yeah i gotta go but look uh, there's so many things that I have on my notes here, and it's okay, just okay. Okay, I just want to ask you one thing because I might put this on JTOL. Can you just say who you are, uh, just for like my audience? Um, okay, just very um, briefly. I know you have to go, but there's no, no context. No worries. No worries. You know? uh, my name is Gray. Uh, I'm my, my channel Hardcore Crypto, and I'm an entrepreneur. I'm based in um, Africa, South Africa to be specific. But uh, unfortunately, I follow a lot of the American uh, <laughs> narrative and videos and all the BS that happens, you know. So I'm kind of, I'm over here, but I'm in the mix too. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm based in Africa and I'm an entrepreneur. I love cryptocurrencies and uh, yeah, you know, pretty much, I think. Is there anything more specific that you wanted me to say? No, I liked, but you had mentioned that you were from um, Malawi because I think that's interesting. I, I don't know, like, did you grow up there? Like, how long have you been in South Africa? Okay, so I moved from Malawi when I was, I dropped out of school when I was 16. Then I moved to South Africa and yeah, um, that was, I'm 25 now, so that was like nine years ago. Yeah, and I started, uh, I worked here in South Africa for some time. Um, I mean, I, I was a developer, designer and all those kind of things in my younger years after I moved from Malawi to South Africa. So I did some work for a few companies and then started my own business and yeah, still doing the same thing. Uh, and now I have, uh, I do make videos uh, on my, in my free time. I have my own channel, like I say. I also have the podcast, the Grey Amp podcast. It's one of the largest uh, podcasts in Africa and it's pretty much about business and technology mostly, but it's also about personal development. So I just thought in a loophole with this political conversation, I'm not into politics. I hate politics at all. You know, it's like I'm a hustler. I like to make money and really just focus on what I'm doing. I think the micro is very important in society than the macro, especially at this point in time. So I focus on myself more, but then I see all these narratives going around. Uh, but then I like science as well since I was very young. So I, I, I like to disagree when, whenever I can when people are using bullshit to really just uh, prove their points, you know? Yeah. Okay, okay, that's great. No, 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 that's good. I'm probably gonna like maybe do an, an intro and stuff. Um, but uh, it was great meeting you and maybe we could schedule something if you wanted to talk a bit more. But yeah, I think it's, a, it's a rabbit hole, you know, so like <laughs> I kind of just stopped thinking about this stuff because I, ultimately I think you should focus on like the, the individual person. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it kind of feeds on itself. Have a good one. You too. Wow. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for watching. If you like this kind of content and you like my video or if you're new to the channel, do subscribe. Also, you can donate at justthinkingoutloud.tv slash donate to help support the channel. Have a great day. Thanks for watching or listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.